Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined by Don Pizzette, of course. Don, how's it going up there? Hey, I am doing great on probably the first and only day of winter in Florida, so we're, uh, you know, But you said out. it this morning, we can't really complain because other people complain more. Yeah. We, we I think it's snow. 50 out right now. <laughs> it's 50 and sunny, so, you know. Yeah. Can't, can't really complain. I tried sledding uh, in the driveway. <laughs> it was not. It was not good. And Daniel, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I actually enjoy the cool weather. So, I, I noticed all these other Floridians around here typically are like, "Oh, it's 70 degrees. It's freezing," and I'm like, "Eh, let's let's chill out." I know you can't wear flip flops today. Well, but. they're still walking around with parkers and flip flops. <laughs> yeah, That's they the do wear part. the flip flops regardless, don't they, they? They don't seem to understand. I don't care. We, we they don't understand eat. how frostbite works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they will. Well, your they toes will are black for a reason. <laughs> and we are joined by Tim Titus, who's the CTO of Path Solutions. Tim, how are you? Doing well, doing well in uh, sunny California, where it is a snappy cold 68. Mm. Oh, wow. Nice. See, now now we can complain because we're in we're the same soft. boat. Yeah. yeah. Well, now it's 50 here when I, when oh, I just grew up in. So. Wow, California. Tim can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> he lost his rights. But Tim also can't leave his house. That's true. he's in California. So it's a it's a double edged sword. Uh, all right, well let's get to know Tim a little bit. Was that that was like as close to political as we've gotten on I this know. show? I feel like I wasn't passing judgment. Listen, back away from the line there. Okay, okay. yeah, <laughs> we saved passing judgment for later in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well let's get to know Tim a little bit in our first segment: rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Tim, in this segment, we are going to pepper you with questions that you will have one minute to answer. If you take longer than a minute, you will get buzzed like this. Ooh, I got buzzed. <laughs> and, uh, and then we'll move on to the next question. So uh, you got to think fast and on your feet. We're going to rotate around. Each person's going to ask a couple of questions. We will start today with Peter. All right, so Tim, I mentioned you're the CTO and founder of Pass Solutions. Can you give us a little bit, bit of an overview of the company and what you guys do? So Pass Solutions does both network monitoring and also root cause troubleshooting. Uh, one of the things I found that a lot of monitoring and troubleshooting solutions, they only go skin deep. And so they really won't tell you what is broken that is causing a problem. You have to go dig and find out what's going on yourself. And that means you're logging into devices, collecting interface information, error counters, configuration, hunting for that problem. And you have to be able to put the pieces together. This leads to a lot of frustration. And so that's really what we focused on is automate the heck out of this so that we collect all that information and say, here's what your equipment knows that you should know. All right. Now, there are a lot of monitoring solutions out there. I think I've used a different one at every single company I've worked for, and I've seen a ton at trade shows and other places. So it's a it's a busy market. There's a lot of competitors that are out there. So what what is your or like how is your application able to actually figure out what the problem is? Is it is it collecting different data than the competition, or do you have some kind of knowledge base where it just knows these elements go together to form a problem? How, how does that process work? Well, actually, all of what you just described. <laughs> if you think about it, a lot of monitoring systems only collect information on single interfaces or maybe a couple of interfaces on a switch or a router. And to configure it to monitor every interface on a switch or a router, they just can't scale that well. So we decided to collect all of the information off of all of the switches, all of the routers, all the interfaces. Also, go deep. So not just covering broad, but go deep and collect all of the error counters. 19 different error counters, all the configuration, all the performance off all those, bring it back, put it through a heuristics engine that analyzes it and can come up and say, did you realize you have a cabling fault on your router over here? Do you realize you have a VLAN tagging issue on this other interface? Do you realize that you have jumbo frames misconfigured on your server switch? So being able to start going through and saying, oh, these are the plain English answers, I can go through and solve the problems that's really what it's about with network monitoring and troubleshooting. If you knew what your equipment knew, you could proactively solve the problem and run a network that's perfectly healthy instead of a network where it's still full of mystery because you just don't know enough breadth or depth about what's going on. That's really cool stuff. I, I, I like that idea. I've definitely worked with those 
pesky little devices myself in the past. Now, you have had a, a, a history of both sides where large enterprise environments or just even small businesses. That said, have you, have you seen a, a similarity between problems between those two, or is there something that's specific to each of those environments? There are things that tend to be more specific to different types of environments. For example, with small organizations, what you have is folks that are tasked with being jack of all trades, and they have to be able to understand this is a DNS problem, or this is a, a, a link flap problem, or this is a spanning tree issue. And so giving them some help so that they can be a better jack of all trades is one part of the picture there. Then you have large environments where you have separate compartmentalized people working on different functions, like there's one group that focuses on routing. Okay, if we give them more information about the network, that means that they can interface better with the team that's working on desktop and collaborate and solve problems together because there's more information brought to bear to help both of those people work. So I, I saw when the pandemic first started, you guys kind of released some some software for free to help people, um, you know, help network admins re, uh, work remotely. Uh, I'm curious, though, is a product like yours even more valuable now in a situation where people aren't necessarily right next to the server? They might be at home or, or uh, in a different situation because they're able to, well, before you said they had to actually go and, and find and root out what the problem was with the hardware. So is it is it uh, easier for them now with this tool? So as a result of, so we offered us a, a small tool that was useful in doing some end user troubleshooting. And when we found the uptake on that, we figured this is a big problem for folks. And th the core of, of our company is help network engineers, help them solve problems. And so we decided let's actually go big on this and end up adding a lot of features to this work at home capability. And so we're just releasing new, newly announced today on this show that we have a new product called Remote View. And what Remote View will do is you hand this to a non-technical user, they run it, they effectively say, go collect all the information. It sends the information back to our server where you can sit down as the engineer and say, oh, I can see your routing table on your computer. I can see your ARP cache. I can see uh, wireless signal strength, wireless SSIDs in the neighborhood, your firewall, your ISP information. I have all of the troubleshooting so I can tell the user at home, here's what you need to do to fix your problem. That was perfect. Right down to zero seconds. You see that? <laughs> <laughs> he did not you know, you haven't buzzed anybody yet. And I'm thinking, you know, I'd like to be the first person. There's you, always a benefit to being it. the first. <laughs> I should have gone off a little bit longer. Should have gone over. Yeah. Just one more uh or something in there would have done it. I just want to hear the buzzer again. Okay. Hold on. Uh, it's over here. Page three. You didn't even have it ready. Like, no, because he ah. literally could not have buzzed you. <laughs> I'm sorry I failed. <laughs> there you go. Well, I do I do have another new sound this week because for our, our next segment, we, we've had a segment in the past called What Don Hates. And our guests have said, you know what? I hate things too. And I want to talk about them. And I'm not going to make a new intro for each guest uh, for, for what they hate. So we have the new segment this week, which is What Grinds My Gears? You know what really grinds my gears? This Lindsay Lohan. You know what really grinds my gears? You, America. We now go to Peter Gore. You know what really grinds my gears? Thanks, Tom. Um, <laughs> it just worked out that his name was Peter as there well. There you go. But we'll go with it. Uh, so we've kind of alluded to it, but uh, basically what, what grinds your gears, Tim, is inaccurate reporting. And so I want to I go back to... I, I'm sure, you know, you're the co-founder uh, of Pathlution, so there was a time when you were probably like in a nest of cables or under a, a server or something where you said, you know what, there's got to be an easier way. So what, what was the frustration uh, that, that led to this? Well, in, in one sense, you, you talk about that and it's like, yep, we all have. It's like all of us who have worked in networking, networking operations, system operations, we've all been fighting with that problem where user comes up to you and says, hey, I'm having this problem and you look at your monitoring system and your monitoring system says, everything is healthy. And you're like, why, why is this happening? There's no indications of any problems and yet the user's still having the problem and you have to go manually troubleshoot. And so it just means that there's a giant information disconnect. If your monitoring system is only looking at one or two error counters and those error counters are zero and yet there's 10 other error counters that could be tripping like collisions if you had like a half duplex connection. If it's not aware of that, it's not able to help you out. And so making sure that you're not operating with an information disconnect on, I don't know what my network is doing, 
just that leaves you in a spot where you're going to be trapped. And the trap is users will know about problems and you won't. I I saw also you mentioned something you said if if you're not uh, if you're not troubleshooting when the problem's occurring, you won't find it. So are there other systems where or I guess where if you looked at a monitoring system and says, well, there was something before, but it's fine now. So I guess you're okay. Like, does your system allow you to kind of go back and see what? No, I had a problem here and, and this is what it was. Yeah. And so part of part of my frustration is, is I thought about how do you troubleshoot a lot of problems? You have to find out where is the starting computer? What's its IP address? Where is it plugged into the network? What switch? What port? How does that switch convey the data to the other device? And it might be a, a building away. It might be a city away. What are the linked switches and routers used to connect those two? And then what's going on on all of those links? Are we dropping packets on any of them? Is there a QoS misconfiguration? Uh, is there latency being added, jitter being added? And so all of those troubleshooting activities, I thought, you know, this could all be optimized if there was a tool designed to make network engineers' lives easier. So what we have is the ability to do a path map. This is actually why we named the company Path Solutions. We can determine what is the path from your PC to the other computer or the server or whatever, every link, every switch, every router, and then what happened along that path at any point in time with all of the error counters, all the configuration, QoS and performance, so that you can look and say, okay, this link is perfectly clean because it didn't drop any errors around the time. This other link is clean, this device is clean. All of a sudden you're gonna focus in on the link or the device that says, hey, we're dropping packets on this interface due to alignment errors and realize that your other monitoring software wasn't even looking at that interface or wasn't looking at alignment errors, we're going to be able to say it's alignment errors, it's this interface. And by the way, the heuristics engine has analyzed this and said, based upon how the interface is configured and how it's operating, you have a cabling fault here. So we're able to get you that plain English diagnostic of here's the root cause of what caused that problem. No, I, I love what you're describing, but I can't help but think like, you know, I've dealt with log files like this before. And uh, I, I can give you an example. Like when I was out in Seattle, we had a, a server that was getting, it, it was like dropping packets. It was doing some really weird stuff on the network. The server didn't really have any errors. The switch didn't really have any errors. And so as we dug into it, we, we ultimately tracked it back to a Microsoft bug, which was kind of fun. But uh, as we were looking at it, one challenge was correlating the information between the event log on the Windows server and the, the syslogs that were on the switch and the inf- event inf- information. And that correlation process, we did, we did by hand, you know, just as human beings, we looked at the time, made sure the clocks were synced, which of course they weren't. So then we had to kind of realign the times and, and it was a, just a nightmare of work. And it sounds like what Path Solutions is doing is, is basically doing all that grunt work for us. So I'm, I'm curious, does that mean that you, you have to support like just certain hardware or certain software and versions to make sure that you can parse those logs or, or are you able to adapt and handle logs from like switch vendors you've never heard of? So we work on all of the different switch and router manufacturers. Our company has been around long enough uh, that we have experience working with heck, some, there's some old 3Com hubs we can still collect information from. Uh, so we're going to collect that information from all your network devices, correlate that and say, here's what happened along that path between these two points at the spe- specified point in time that you had the issue so that you can quickly say it's this interface uh, it was dropping 6% of the packets and it's a, uh, a VLAN misconfiguration as to why those packets are being dropped. Thus, we can fix the root cause of the problem. In some cases, though, you describe how servers, people wonder, is it an application problem or is it a network problem? We don't dig into the server logs, but what we can do is we can validate that the problem is not in the network because we can say, according to all 19 error counters, configuration, performance, Every link, every switch, every router used to connect to the server is perfectly healthy, and we didn't drop a single packet. Therefore, you can rule that out and quickly say, it's an application problem, let's look at the server. So I remember having a conversation with the server guys. Um, <laughs> this didn't go. It was one of those things that was like funny in my head, but out loud turned out not to be funny. Where uh, you know we looked at all the network gear and everything was fine, and so I told them, I said, well, this is obviously an SCP. And they said, well, what's an SCP? And I said, someone else's problem, right? <laughs> I was about to say, you, you, Tim's product kind of removes that. Um, oh, no, everything's fine. The, the machine says yeah. everything's fine. It's all in your head. Yeah. Plausible, <laughs> plausible deniability goes away with, with path products. Something right. on your end, I feel like. Yeah, well. 
<laughs> and that's what really grinds my gears. There we go. All right. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that. And so, Tim, uh, if if people want to find out more about Path Solutions, uh, what what's the URL? Where do we go and and check this out? www.pathsolutions.com. Uh, we have videos online you can check out. You can look at different aspects of our product. We have the ability to root cause troubleshoot network problems, telecom problems. We also have security operations covered, uh, and also work from home users. It's always nice when someone actually has the .com, too, because I, I don't just assume, because, <laughs> you know, oh, no, we're uh, pathsolutionsofthefuture.io, and uh, no, pathsolutions.com, that's nice and easy. And you said um, that that new software for uh, working with remote users, is it out now or, or just came out? It just came out, so it is uh, fresh and ready to be used. Fantastic. So. And remember, everybody out there in TV land, a good monitoring solution is installed before you have a problem, not <laughs> after. <laughs> Yeah, Daniel's got a monitoring solution on my machine. He, he's always just yeah, 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 just checking in on him. That's the nice thing about the relationship with the person hacking yeah. you. He can be like, by the way, you're, uh, you need to really update this driver. I, I love when he waves at me when his camera comes on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it doesn't even come on. It's just, uh, yeah, you disabled the light. Thanks for doing that. Well, Tim, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. We appreciate you uh, venting uh, about what grinds <laughs> your gears and uh, and sharing with us. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, everybody stay tuned. We're going to have a little bit uh, more news coming up. We're also going to talk about who got pwned this week right after this quick break. So stay tuned. IT pros want to learn on the go? The IT Pro TV Android app is for you. Now it's better than ever with the dashboard view built in. Easily resume viewing, see new courses as they're added, and track your hours viewed. Start up your next episode with the touch of a button to binge watch on the go. Track your progress at a glance, and download episodes as an annual member for offline viewing. Access all IT Pro TV courses with a simple button. Choose landscape mode for larger viewing. Choose your course by category, certification, or job role. Watch anywhere and pick up later on your favorite devices. So head to the App Store and download the IT Pro TV app. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pizzette, and thank you so much to Tim Titus from Path Solutions for joining us and telling us about all the problems with our monitoring software. And <laughs> they do suck. They, not his. <laughs> not his. Not his. Or, or any of the other guests we've had on, because I feel like we've, yeah. we've had some monitoring solutions. Before. We have, and actually some really cool ones. Yeah. yeah. So. Just get them all. Yeah. And that way you miss nothing. Man, you monitor the crap out of your network. That's I the think way it, you know, it, it shows that it's a, a field that could stand for some innovation, mm -hmm. right? Because everybody's got just tons and tons of log files coming through. So there's innovative ways to parse it and sort it out. Yeah. Tons of logs. Nothing like searching for a needle in a stack of needles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we do have a lot of news to get to this week, and as I said, we've also gonna we're also gonna find out who got pwned a little bit later. But Waiting our first you, article, yeah, our first article is from bleepingcomputer.com. Microsoft rolls out Application Guard for Office to all customers. I, I feel like this is just something that's gonna make things run slower for me, or. Uh, maybe. It, it depends. So uh, Application Guard, Microsoft announced it last year, but it's been in like a, well, originally it was in a kind of a closed alpha, then it moved into a beta. And so now it's finally releasing to the world at large. If you're a Microsoft 365 customer, you will have access to Application Guard, which if you haven't heard of it, is a really neat feature. So uh, what it does is it allows you to open up email attachments or really any file and open it in a completely sandboxed environment. It basically leverages a virtual machine behind the scenes to be able to open and display the document on your screen in an isolated environment so that if it contains malware, a macro virus, any craziness, Trojan, whatever, it's all in this kind of walled garden. And when you close the application, that little walled off environment gets deleted and goes away. So this is uh, kind of the solution for, uh, you know, one thing we tell people a lot is, hey, don't open attachments from people you don't know. All right. Well, that makes sense. As an IT professional, I can do that. Like, hey, I don't know this person. I'm not going to open the attachment. But imagine you worked in human resources and you put out a, a job ad. You're going to get resumes from people and they're going to be PDFs and Word documents and stuff. And guess what? 
You got to open them. That's the, <laughs> the only way you can see these documents. Zip so. files and EXE files. And oh, it's yeah. just to spin up my own virtual machine. Now I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> Why are all these resumes coming in in a VBS format? Yeah. I don't get it. Oh, man, I got to run this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's what Application Guard solves. It gives you that ability to run it in a wall garden. So if you, if you haven't heard of it before, it is now publicly available as a feature in Microsoft 365. It is not a feature of just Microsoft Office. It is Microsoft 365. You have to have a subscription to be able to use it, uh, but it is integrated. It does have another name, which is Microsoft Defender Application Guard for Office. That's way too long of a name, yep. uh, but it's basically part of Microsoft's Defender's ever-expanding front line of defense. So so once you open it, and I see in the, in the image in the Bleeping Computer article, it has a little red box that says the file is opened, in or actually, I guess they're just highlighting that it's opened in Application Guard. Does it scan the file then and, and say, okay, this is cool, and open it regularly after you know, that? It, or? It, it doesn't actually scan it, to my knowledge. It just opens opens it in this environment. So like if it hacks that fake environment, it just it's doesn't care. Deal. Yeah. Do you have to worry about anything like since this is running inside of a virtual machine per se in the background, what about things like VM escapes and why well, I, I and think that? we all know that's impossible, oh, right? Of course. Yeah. I was so. just making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, a VM escape is is a, a real possibility, but in this scenario in unlikely. theory, opening a PDF or opening a Word document shouldn't need internet access. So this is a closed off VM. Now it would have to. It, VM escapes are first off really hard. Yeah, they're super sophisticated attacks. And pretty valuable. So you know you're not normally going to see them in the random spread that these types <laughs> of attacks fall under. But you know it, it certainly could happen. No, no solution is perfect. I yeah. like all my zero day VM escapes to go right out into the wild. <laughs> just backtracking and you know again i know um what a vm of escape is but but for those at home that maybe don't and, and feel weird asking uh <laughs> what would you tell them so this is basically the idea of if you're inside of a virtual machine environment right you've you've basically kind of pushed off some resources of your computer to say hey make a virtual computer here and that's not going to touch my my actual computer it's going to be kind of walled off in this this area in which you can work well what happens if i can jump the wall and make my way into your actual computer. That's what we want to worry about with that. I would assume that ultimately there's probably some like crazy state-sponsored hackers that do have those O-days that are sitting in their pocket like, cool, man, I'm going to totally you know, hose this because I can I can get around that. But like Don says, probably not going to be... That would be a very targeted attack against a specific entity states uh, you know, that you would have to worry about there. And the good news is, is this is off by default, Don. I'm just scrolled down. Yeah. So that's it, what it says. It is off by default. You, you, first off, you do need an E5 license. So like I know we, we use E3s for most of our stuff. So you need an E5 license. And then on top of that, you do have to turn it on. It's off by default. And that's because it slows things down. Going back to Daniel's mm -hmm. point, because it's got to basically create a virtual environment and launch the document inside of that. So for most users, they don't necessarily need that level of security and they don't want that burden. But if you work in HR... This is a feature you would want, and you'd willingly give up that slow launch in exchange for being able to safely open documents. I like it. Any kind of security is good security, I think. I mean, as long as it's working toward the betterments. I don't of, know. Uh, there's a trade-off. There, there comes a point. There does. There is a, <laughs> a slippery a slope point. argument but, there. Uh, I just use, shut up and do what we tell you. I use 7FA <laughs> to log in. <laughs> well, I told you my prediction uh, was, was like 5FA or 6FA. Yeah. That, that's where your gut test. Yeah. <laughs> blood test. Oh, you weren't on that episode. Yeah, that was my prediction yeah. for 2021. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Mm. Yeah. It's gonna 7 FA. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. When you do the fingerprint scanner. Do we have scanner. seven Fs? Well, that's what we were, we were trying to <laughs> sure. go through and figure them out. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was biometric stuff. Uh, There's yeah. A, yeah. might have been a stool sample. Yeah. We're going to have to get some bone marrow from you. <laughs> yeah. I, let's go back to, what, episode 100 where we talked about pooping in a box. You would, you would really consider whether or not you needed to log into that system yeah. at that point in time. Exactly. They're taking bone marrow. <laughs> yeah, it's like a privilege access thing. It's more like people don't log in because it's too much yeah. time. There's we less need spinal fluid. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to our next article from slash dot dot org. Cable ISP warns excessive uploaders, says network can't handle heavy usage. And so is excessive uploaders just code for torrent seeders? Maybe. You know, it, it, they don't really get specific on this. They are pretty vague, but it is interesting because you know, if you think about most uh, regular broadband that's run to people's houses, they always focus on the download speeds, right? And they'll commit to larger download speeds than upload speeds. And most users don't care about that because what do you upload? Mouse clicks and emails. That's usually about it. But you download a ton. Your Netflix and every other thing that you use as you download content. So 
that's what people focus on. And so when they run lines, especially running fiber lines to communities, a lot of times they'll dedicate more of the fiber lines to download than upload. So they have far less bandwidth on the upload side, and we usually wouldn't notice it. But now with everybody doing work from home, when you're doing a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting or whatever, your video is being uploaded across that line. And if you're running BitTorrent, sure, you're uploading, you're seeding uh, torrents like that and, and other kind of peer-to-peer -peer type stuff. But I think in this scenario, it, because BitTorrent's been going on for a long time, and so that's... That hasn't really changed. Right. And people are streaming more, but that's download, not upload. So I think this one's really going to be tied to all the video conferencing that's happening. Yeah, that's what it seemed like, because you're pushing all that video information, yeah. uploading it into the ether there. You know, it's funny, this is uh, this article came up today, because last night there was, uh, I, I have Cox, and Cox truck was out in front of our house, and my wife was like, the internet is crap. <laughs> and I'm like... Huh, really? And it, it was it was straight garbage. We could hardly hardly even just surf regular web pages. And I saw the guy out there kind of frustrated on his phone talking to somebody. And I think it seems like they've oversold the line. Oh, certainly. Because they're building new houses all around my area right now. So I'm assuming it's just getting super saturated. Yeah, that whole business model is based on overselling. You know, they'll, they'll sell the bandwidth six to one based on the customers. Yeah. And I'm wondering, because I was reading through this article and a lot of people were saying, I have yet to come anywhere near my data cap, and I'm getting these warnings. Now, a warning's a warning, big deal, right? Mm -hmm. As long as they don't actually, but they're warning that they will cut you off if you continue to exceed oh, your, not, your not, limits. Not throttle you, but actually not cut throttle, you off. Cut you off. That's, wow. that's what it says in the, in the article anyway. And I'm like, yeah. that tells you maybe they lied about how much upload you actually were getting because they thought maybe. you're never going to hit yeah. that anyway. And then a pandemic hit, yeah. and they figured out they were. I was thinking about my network, and, and you know, I, I used to have a terabyte, or I guess I technically have a terabyte data cap. I, mm. I pay, I have AT&T fiber, and yeah. so I pay an extra 50 bucks a month or whatever to not have a data cap. Uh, and there have been times where I've gone over a terabyte, and when I've looked at the data, it's usually my my various cloud drives syncing, like my Google Drive or mm. whatever. If I mess with a bunch of files, I'll have to sync up, and that eats up bandwidth. But I also have a Plex server that I you know, can watch movies on, and I share that with a few people. I think I'd share yep. it with you. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> so like, if you were to watch a movie, there's a quick three gigs. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know if you and I have the same movie taste. I don't know that he is a Plex server. <laughs> you know what? I, don't, I wouldn't know either, Don, because I don't know what movies you watch. <laughs> Predator. I know hey, we quote from and, the same uh, crap every week. Here. You know, ever, ever since I, ever since I um, put the pie hole on my network, a 20, about 20% of my traffic is is ads and trackers. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm get like, that back. Oh, this is not like, good. I heard you like pie holes. Would <laughs> yeah. you like that? Well, Peter, I, I can uh, I can send you a Plex invite, but I just I don't have the piano or the notebook on there. Oh, um, as long least, as you've got the English, at least not the director's cut. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm wouldn't want to deprive Ishtar. you. Ishtar, <laughs> Tristan and Isolde, or whatever. It Last is. thing I want is, is a data cap because I'm downloading videos. From you. <laughs> well, download's fine. Apparently, oh, yeah, yeah. downloading's cool. Yeah, go download crazy. <laughs> well, that'll be next next month. We'll be yeah. we'll be talking about that. But, like you people have watched too much Netflix during this pandemic. Yeah, we're shutting you down or or we can just watch it all in like 480 like the old days yeah like we're going back to four by three people because this is too much gotta save the bits yeah hey i'd be down with that would you really have you ever yeah, I mean, you know i grew up watching crappy VHS, <laughs> and it never bothered me until until you contrasted it with a high def picture yep. if that high def picture was not a thing i had to worry about it, i'd be like oh, oh this sure is cool. but it, but <laughs> like the one time you accidentally turned to the non-hd channel instead of the hd when you're like what is this garbage? What oh, am yeah. I, a peasant? And then you're like, oh, wait, I forgot to press the... What always amazed me were like the old the 8-bit and 16-bit video games. Oh, yeah. How they designed them planning on the scan lines being yeah. there. Oh, yeah. And so it looks great on the CRT, and then you run it in an emulator or whatever, it looks like crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good right. times. Yep. Yeah, good times. All right, our next article is from techradar.com. OneDrive is finally getting a much-needed 64-bit version. OneDrive can now access more than 4 gigabytes of system memory. What, so what were they capped at before that? All right. Uh, just full Look. disclosure here. I, I picked this article because it was total bullshit. Oh, well, <laughs> well, plus I'm like, man, I was my, my OneDrive's been wanting 8 gigs of memory. <laughs> and now, finally, yeah. I can totally bring my system to its knees using OneDrive. <laughs> All right, so uh, OneDrive previously was a 32-bit app. It was only available in 32 bits, and 
In the Windows world, there is an artificial software limit that is put that holds a 32-bit application to only 3 gigs of memory, right? In the Linux world or Mac or whatever, a 32-bit application could actually do 4 gigs of memory. But in this case, uh, only 3. Uh, so the, the, the little byline of the article is actually wrong, but uh, it was held to 3 gigs. Now... They moved it to 64-bit, and so now it can access way more memory, right? It's got all that at its disposal. But I will tell you, my OneDrive configuration is probably more complex than most people's. I'm connected to multiple SharePoint sites for syncing OneDrive as well as my own OneDrive. Uh, and I know one of my company ones that I'm connected to has well over 100,000 files in it, and that all gets indexed. And so I checked before the show, how much memory is my OneDrive consuming? And it was at 380 megabytes. Oh, really? So if you can index over 100,000 files and changes and replicas and all that and do it in under 400 megabytes of memory, then it doesn't really matter if it's 32-bit or 64-bit. So in this scenario, the article's a little off-base into why the, you know, there's a benefit. You're not going to benefit from the extra memory. But what you are going to benefit from is that in Microsoft Windows, at least, 64-bit applications are applied on a more secure layer. You know, they're not using the... Uh, the WoW 64, which is Windows on Windows, the 32-bit emulated layer, they're just running in the 64-bit uh, space. And so they're able to take advantage of a lot more security features. So that will make uh, OneDrive, actually, it will make it run a little bit faster. Uh, it will make it more secure. Those are benefits, but extra memory is not a benefit you're going to get out of this one. So not a complete marketing ploy to get you to like think about OneDrive and have it in your your space. Yeah, th there's benefits, just yeah. not the ones just, they mentioned yeah. in the article. Yeah. Well, you got to love it when they when they come out and just say, hey, you know, here's some. It's the um, what was the the anti rust coating that they put on cars? Right? Oh yeah, yeah, right. Gotta have the undercoat. Yeah, gotta have the undercoat. Yeah. So it, is it possible that they're kind of future proofing it? So maybe there's new features they want to roll out, but they couldn't because they were hampered by being a 32-bit? You know, for, for an application like OneDrive, right? Think about what it does. So it builds a database of all your files. And each entry, each file in your OneDrive has to be indexed in that database. And it has to create a checksum so that it can evaluate files to see if they've changed. And if it's on SharePoint, it's got a whole notification mechanism anyway, so it doesn't even have to do that. But that's really all it does. That's all OneDrive does, and then it uploads and downloads files. So maintaining that database is the big part. Now, if you have a database that's over 4 gigabytes in size, right? Remember, 1 megabyte is enough to hold the entire text of the Encyclopedia Britannica, if anybody remembers what that thing is. So 4 gigabytes, I mean, you were talking about just a library's worth of yeah, data. You're not saying the size of the files in that. You're saying the size of the list of, of sure, files. Sure, yes. Because okay. as, as far as OneDrive is concerned, if it's a one kilobyte file or if it's an eight gigabyte file, the CRC that it generates or the checksum it generates is going to be the same size. Gotcha. Yep. So, yeah, and, and, you know, who knows? Maybe there's other things coming down the line. Maybe eventually they'll dump the 32-bit subsystem so it has to run 64-bit. So that kind of be future-proofing, I don't, guess. Don't defend them, Don. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll see you next week if there's some article that uh, updates it and Don has to eat crow. But <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, one impact it'll have on people, though, is that now that it's a 64-bit app, it won't be in the Program Files x86 folder anymore. Oh. It'll be in the regular Program Files folder. So if you've whitelisted the application, you'll need to update your policies. That's good to know. Nice. Yeah. So unrelated, is there a, a, a Plex app in <laughs> Fire TV, or do I need, do I need to get some? Uh, there should be, yeah. Probably. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I use Roku's at home personally, and yeah. some TVs have it built in, like the Samsung TVs. Yeah. Oh, I have a Samsung. Maybe, maybe I've got it. Maybe. I wouldn't know. Daniel can install it for you, <laughs> Remote, remotely. Yeah, well, Daniel's already in. He's like, I just. <laughs> I got you hooked it. up, man. You're good. You're I was, good. I was watching that's the why camera. I was kind of quiet here. <laughs> just set. the dogs watching. stuff up. All dogs go to heaven now. <laughs> All right. Our, our Far from home. The Adventures Far of Yellow Dog. Yes. <laughs> Is that, is that the one with Michael J. Fox? Or, or? No, 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 that's Homer, Homer Bound. Bound. Homer yeah. Bound, great. We watched that the other day, man. My kids loved it. Yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah? I tried to get my kids to watch it. They did not. Yeah, that oh. didn't work out. We watched Wreck-It Ralph instead. Wreck-It like, Ralph oh, is pretty They awesome. got rid of the dog. How do we do that? <laughs> All right, our next article is from ZDNet.com. Ten-year-old pseudobug lets Linux users gain root-level access. The vulnerability named Baron Samedit. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> impacts most Linux distributions today. Did I pronounce that wrong? <laughs> yeah, same did. Yeah. I would go with uh, Sam Edit. Sam Edit. Oh, see, damn it. All right. <laughs> what, Baron? Like, I thought it was like somebody's last name or so something. So apparently it's a play on words with like some voodoo priest of the undead or something like that. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Well, screw you yeah. guys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I knew I'd find a use for that one today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then what's yeah. this? You know, Baron so von Sudo has had uh, a couple of vulnerabilities over the last just few years, and some of them are really significant. Like the one where uh, a user could actually modify if they if they just had the ability to run even one command in the sudoers file, they could. That was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, they could they could leverage a, an extra file and, and basically gain access to run whatever the heck they wanted through sudo. Actually, it's been a couple of years now since that one happened. Uh, but this one, Daniel, all the stuff I read on it was pretty light on details. Did you see anything? Yeah, so I, I kind of hunted down. Qualys was the organization that discovered the and, and published the CVE, or got credit for the CVE, should I say. Uh, they have a p- proof of concept that you can watch their video where they go into showing you how it works, which is basically like, if you're running any version of sudo within the last 10 years, then you can put a dash S or a dash I in there and kind of fiddle with it a little bit. And uh, it has to do with some uh, usage of the backspace character, which is for escaping uh, meta characters. They play around with that a little bit, and lo and behold, there's some heap overflow that occurs. And you can get it to run whatever the heck you want. Like, hey, you know, it, it kind of drops it into this this shell command environments when you use that. It, it puts it into that mode, which is all done underneath uh, the hood in the code. You start playing around with that, and you can say, well, I want you to run stuff in this shell command, which is being run as root. So there you go. Now you got that context, and boom, you can just pop a shell and you are root. So that's the danger of it. They don't have a lot of detail on that because they said they are not going to publish any proof of concept code now or ever. At least that's as of right now from what I understand. Qualys is keeping that on the down low. There is a patch available, so if you do have sudo, basically if you're running Linux within the last 10 years, you're going to want to update that. Now, if you're wondering why Qualys would not release a proof of concept, let me uh, let me spread a little fear here real quick. <laughs> Fear-mongering Don. <laughs> so Qualys found this this vulnerability two weeks ago. And the right. patch is already out. Like this is the the best case scenario. The the, the team that maintains sudo released version one point nine point five p two patch two. So that one's that one's out. It's available right now. If you have a Linux box, like Daniel said, you are a sudo apt update or sudo dnf update away from having this problem solved on your system, and you're safe. However, sudo shows up in a lot of places, not just Linux, like in, in Unix systems or any Unix-like system, any system with BusyBox likely has some kind of sudo alongside Bunch it. Bunch of IoT so, out there running that stuff, huh? Android phones, Yep. Uh, IoT, your television, uh, any mm. smart device these days is likely running Linux, and if it has any kind of shell, then it will likely have sudo functionality. Your webcams, your, your all sorts well, of stuff. The good news is, Don, is that those companies are really, um, they care about security a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're really concerned about it so you should be fine that is called sarcasm by the i was way. gonna yeah, say <laughs> I'm, I'm sensing it I, yeah so i, I want to put sarcasm tags around myself can i get that <laughs> so the challenge here is people like daniel you know getting into a device just getting shell access that's one challenge but once you're able to get that shell access either through a you know web application or whatever the next challenge is getting elevated privileges well if the system is running sudo prior to the one that was released today <laughs> then Daniel's now got an easy venue to be able to do that. If I had the proof of concept, if I'm Qualys at this point, or some crazy state-sponsored awesomeness. Yep. So Qualys is in an interesting position. Now, they're not releasing a proof of concept. However, all you have to do is run a diff between 1.9.5p2 and 1.9.5p1 and see what was changed. Yeah. And then you kind of reverse engineer it to figure out how you could exploit that. So just know the fact that the state-sponsored hackers out there are doing that right now while we're podcasting and screwing around. <laughs> That's what they're doing. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see this taken advantage of pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to lead to some horrible data breach that, oh, well, you know, someone didn't update Sudo, so 10 billion records were accessed, yeah. and now you got to get rid of your credit card. <laughs> and th- this is where, like, a web application firewall would really help because once— once we do know the strings or whatever that are being used by the attacker, we can actually intercept that in transit and block it before it even gets to a server, that, that kind of stuff. But right now we're in that unknown period, so we just have to wait. Mm. I just realized you're, you're saying sudo, too, and I think I said sudo. It's it's tomato tomato. No, it's not. It's su su sudio. Su su sudio. Phil it. Collins is going to come in here and smack the piss out of you. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that Phil Collins was a Unix admin uh, for many yeah, years. Yeah, a long time. Many years. He ran the big iron at IBM, man. Yeah, be damned. <laughs> Didn't know that. <laughs> All right. Well, this next article, it, it, we didn't we didn't call it behind bars, but uh, 
people were arrested, so I'm going to play the behind bars intro for this one. People were arrested. (laughs) Break the law and you'll go to jail. Usually Zach says break the law because it's fun. (laughs) You'll go to jail in the Ukraine. That is not fun. Uh, All right, this article is from Wired.com. Cops disrupt Emotet, the Internet's most dangerous malware. A global operation has taken down the notorious botnet in a blow to cyber criminals worldwide. And so were they all emo? um, (laughs) Emo. When they were caught, they all had long hair and were cutting themselves. (laughs) Yeah, Listening to Panic at the Disco. I was going to say. Fall Out Boy. um, Yeah, Fall Out Boy. boy. That'll work. Or My Chemical Romance. Yeah, yeah there you sure. go. Yeah, that's a good one. So, <laughs> Screamo. Uh, so, so this is a botnet that's been around for, what, at least a five while. years, it says. Yeah. 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 Yep, so uh, so they finally tracked it down. They actually uh, did some raids, and they posted some video. Did you guys watch the video? I did. No. It's crazy, uh, because you know, it shows them like breaking the locks off of doors and storming yeah. in and arresting people and stuff, and then they're they're indexing the evidence. And so there's... Hard drives is, on type of hard drives. This is drives. in the Ukraine, yeah, yeah, collecting tons of hard drives, $100 bills like crazy. Th- is that the thumbnail I'm yeah. looking at? With the, it's like it's just stacks. stacks. Yeah, because yeah, oh, they're, they're indexing the serial numbers on all those $100 bills oh, to try and track goodness. them back uh, if they can. But what's even crazier, when towards the end of the video, they're laying out all the evidence to take pictures, and I kept seeing what looked like little tuna cans, and it took me a minute to figure out what those were. They were gold bars. That's crazy. So, like, and, and there's a, a bunch of them. Yeah. It, it, Gold's expensive. It, yeah. So <laughs> if, you, if you've got illegal money or whatever and you're trying to launder, like, they were converting it to gold. And I mean, that that's... But... What got me the most is I always think of a lot of these as being state sponsored or highly sophisticated right. or whatever. But you know, watching the video, I had to check the date on it because the computer hardware and stuff that was in use it was total garbage. Easily ten years old, you know, <laughs> and, and and none of the computers had uh, walls on them. All the the case sides have been taken off and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm like, and, you can afford nicer stuff. I'm looking <laughs> yeah, at the, the cash, and they, right. and they had euros too. They had listen. All kinds that's of how the rich stay rich, man. They don't I buy new so. stuff. They keep using what they got as long as the apartment is crap. Yeah. <laughs> But, well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, like the Emotet's um, Trojan kind of like evolved from this bank stealing botnet to kind of like a um, hacking as a service kind of yeah. thing, right? It was like, hey, you know, we can do more than just steal from banks. Do you need something? We can hook you up. They would rent it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you could rent a botnet yeah. for X amount of yeah. Bitcoin or whatever per day. And then they, you could be like, here's access to the command and control. Do whatever you like. Have fun. Take it for a yeah. spin. Go nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, now, that was a neat thing they didn't mention in this article, the Wired article, on, on one of the other websites that were talking about it, that uh, once, I think it was the Dutch authorities that broke into this one? Um, um, yeah, I, it, was a, it was a combination. The, I mean, it, it lists... I think the Netherlands led it, but yeah. U.S., Canada, U.K., Germany, France. But, uh, but the Dutch authorities are actually modifying the command and control to basically oh, yeah. reset and shut down Emotet on March 25th. Now, I don't know why they're waiting an entire month. I guess to give machines time to phone home or something. So. But on Everybody cash out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody cash out. On March 25th, a kill command will be sent out to basically remove Emotet from infected machines. So that, that's kind of neat. Because this is saying, even if, even if we go to the place where it originated and get rid of that, there's still all these devices that are infected with it. And so this is... This is getting it rid of it on those devices. Correct, yeah. Okay. And, you know, because if a machine's already compromised, then in, in theory they might find some way to be able to reconnect to it. But they phone home to IPs and domain names that have all been seized at this point, so it, it'd be pretty hard for somebody to reactivate Emotet. <laughs> wow. I, you know, because the cops own it now, I start seeing that whole sting operation going up again, like, yeah, come here for your free, you know, $50 you know, prepaid card. Yeah. Cool. Oh, it's the cops. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I was expecting, like, you know, we're talking about the Ukraine here. You just don't think of it as the, uh, um, you know, what's the what's the opposite of, of corrupt? A righteous? Law yeah, the most righteous yeah. Uh, law yeah. enforcement. Yeah. I mean, I'm expecting they're laying out the gold bars. I'm going, well, how many do you think there were before the camera got there? Because that's what, what's yeah. really exciting. That, I mean, if you left all those ones as evidence, there's... Some dude walking out with just, I can't even walk. <laughs> These pockets full of... Cop, cops in the Netherlands are entrepreneurs. I guess it was uh, Ukraine. They're yeah. entrepreneurs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, it's impressive. And just 
just straight up strange. Watch that video. It's, okay. it's weird. I will totally do You that. don't even need the audio. Just Look, like, no, you can't understand the audio because it is in Ukrainian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, don't they speak Russian? 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 Whatever. In the Ukraine. <laughs> you know what? T- today's not my day. Uh, today's not my day. Okay. <laughs> These things happen. All right. Uh, our next article. Oh, is actually. That's What's that? Wasn't that it? Oh, we got a who got. No, we got a who got pwned today. That's right. So uh, let's go ahead and jump to that segment with who got pwned. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! All right, this one is from TheVerge.com. Google warns of novel social engineering method used to hack security researchers. Government-backed hackers in North Korea are reportedly responsible for everything, because we just blame the North <laughs> Koreans. But uh, So this this is not uh, it, this is something that's actually been used or a method they've oh, no. discovered? This has already happened. So <laughs> okay. who got pwned this time is actually the security researchers, and that's what's scary oh, nice. about this. You know, each week... We highlight vulnerabilities that have been uh, detected, usually by security researchers, that then do responsible disclosure and turn that over. Well, North Korean hackers, or, or you know, allegedly, because sure. you know, we always could blame. be anybody, could be. <laughs> so, <laughs> North Korean hackers uh, turned the the tables a little bit and said, "Hey, instead of trying to find our own zero days and stuff." Why don't we hack other security researchers and get their zero days that they're researching, and then we can take advantage of it? Because going back to like what you were saying, that other people know these things but don't necessarily publish their uh, proof of concepts. Well, these proof of concepts exist somewhere, so why can't I just grab those? Or they're waiting for the next Black Hat conference to be able to release it and get a little fame out of it, so they sit on it for months on end. Mm. That, that, That happens. So. In this scenario, it's not even real hacking. It's it's, it's social engineering, right. really. And Daniel, it's human hacking. What do you, is that OSINT? What is that called? Um, it's not OSINT. No, it would be social engineering. It's just a straight okay. up, like, I want to get that information, that sensitive information from you. And instead of trying to do it through a technical mean, even though they set up technology to do that, the main focus was to trick you, make people believe that it was safe or right to put that information yeah. in the hands of the hacker. So in this scenario, what they did is they set up uh, Twitter feeds, Instagram channels, a blog. They created a fake persona that was a security researcher mm-hmm. and started doing posts and stuff under the the persona of this security researcher. And then they reached out to other security researchers and, and said, hey, I, I'd like to collaborate with you on what you're working on. And so if, if you know, let's say Daniel's the security researcher and I'm, I'm this you know, hacker with a fake identity, I reach out to Daniel and say, hey, Daniel, I, I've seen some of the work you've done in this industry. I'd like to work with you. You know, let, let's let's share notes. Don't yeah. trust him, Daniel. And <laughs> don't do it. So Daniel might say, well, I don't know this guy. Let yeah. me go and do some research. Zero and, trust environment. Well, he's got a, got a Twitter feed that's been going on for a year or two. And there's an Instagram channel. This guy likes to party. you got right. to admit, this is long game kind of oh, idea yeah. right it here. It is. Because they said... We are going to do the long con. It's not going to be a short hit, but we're going to get some major return on our investment on this, which they absolutely did. So it was worth it for them. Yeah. And I remember attending a talk at Black Hat a couple of years ago. There was a lady who was a she was a security researcher, but she had built one of these fake personas of her as a reporter. And so she had built all this stuff up for her, like at a fake uh, news channel and so on, so that she could then reach out to government officials and say, hey, I'm so-and-so with such-and-such news, and they would share information with her that, you know, her calls wouldn't get through normally, but when you say, I'm with a news channel... You know, people are ready to do an interview, and so she was using that to, to talk to you. Yeah, and it's funny what kind of access you can get with a press pass and how much leeway you get. So I was listening to one journalist who was talking about when he was covering Occupy Wall Street, and he was there, and some, some disruption occurred, and the cops came in and were arresting people. And he was like, no, 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 I'm not with the disruption. I am journal- you know, I'm a journalist. I'm documenting this. And he said, once I showed him my credentials and they verified it was true, they let me go. So if you had a legit press pass— you yeah. could totally be a part of that half of the and then capital, get away with it because half the capital rioters were were uh, yeah. journalists because they were live streaming. I know there was there was one guy who was claiming that, oh, yeah. that he was and, and yeah. they pulled footage of him yeah. like, <laughs> like he so, was, Oh, I did hear about that guy. He apparently had dropped his phone and was asking someone to give him his phone. Oh, one geez. journalist that I follow actually knows that guy and says, That's what was going on. That's what you're seeing is I was he had dropped his phone, so it looked like he was telling people, like, go in, go now. It's like, can you hand me He's my like, phone? Yeah. Go in and grab my phone and toss it back. But yeah. when he said he said something like, together we're making history. Oh, I, like, I don't know yeah. about that. There, there when, might be more than one. I think there yeah, are yeah. more than one person. Maybe there's more than one that had that. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone it, has their phone out. Hey, we're journalists now. We're the media. <laughs> <laughs> well, well then you pull out a press pass. Yeah. And you, oh, say, well, you can't well, just print that. You know, interesting thing about press passes, did you know they don't exist? There's no such thing as a press pass. 
Yeah, you just make your own press pass. There's yeah, not like you, a, you a governing bottle. There, yeah. there is no That's such funny. thing as a press pass. Uh, so there's no like issuing. The the closest thing mm. is like like the White House press corps. They get yeah. credentials issued. Yeah. Right. But if you go to like the a, a sports, if you're like uh, covering a football game, that team, that stadium will issue press passes for that gotcha. event. But there's yeah. not like you couldn't just walk up and be like press. You know, yeah. let me in. They've got to be. So I guess you have to prove that you work for a, a press organization. Yeah. To be Which how do you prove that now with like, hey, I've got a blog. Why, why can't con- I be in the room? I, I would I would assume <laughs> that they contact you know whoever you say you work for, Vice or that was a thing with uh, was a South by Southwest where there was like a a restaurant that put a sign in the window that said influencers not welcome <laughs> because during South by Southwest everybody would come in and say, well, I, I need a free meal because I'll review it on my website. Like, yeah. no, like we yeah. we need money. Money <laughs> for food. This is the week money. we make money. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna need that cash. I mean, they let us be press for. CES. Yeah, oh, that's right. So there yeah. you go. That's yeah. how. I mean, <laughs> we're we're feet up in the press lounge and everything. There's that's right. They fed us. Oh, you can eat popcorn. I forget about that. It was nice. It was a good time. <laughs> Pre-COVID. I mean, Free USB drives with a bunch of malware Free. on them. <laughs> I, I took them all. You <laughs> did. He Stock, was just sitting at the stocking bed, stuff at the Airbnb going, what's this? I don't know. My computer don't work, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was using Titus's computer for that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Titus, where's your, where's your laptop? Yeah. Let me borrow that for just a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've just got USB-C, so yeah. what am I supposed to do? Uh, yeah. That's your security protection yeah. right there. <laughs> I can't yeah. plug anything in. <laughs> yeah, Apple did this to protect me from me. That's smart. <laughs> I don't know what that's called, but that that's smart. All right. Well, um, you know, I was saying it's not it's not my day. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was not my day, and I was talking about a webinar. Uh, that was in the past, and you guys just—you <laughs> guys just let me do it. It wasn't until you act like we're listening to you. When I know, you start in on that dribble. Yeah, Val, uh, Val was listening and alerted me to it. Said, "Yeah," and they didn't even mention it. I'm like, you, "I look over there; they're doing emails by this point." <laughs> but uh, I checked, and February 11th is in the future, and that is when our next webinar is, which is navigating the future of project management because we're celebrating Project Management Month here in uh, February, and so we're looking at the new PMP exam and industry trends with. Uh, Chris Ward, who's uh, one of the newest edutainers here, and he's going to be doing that on Thursday, February 11th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. So register now at intpro.tv slash webinars. And um, we've got the archives of the last couple up there, the one that Don just did with Jason Blanchard about uh, charting a path to a cybersecurity career. Uh, So some good ones there to check out, itpro.tv slash webinars. And while you're on that internet, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado. There you can get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal plan. You can also request a team trial and find out about things like the pro portal that are available just for teams. Uh, And that's all at go.itpro.tv slash technado. All right, I think I mentioned everything that was nice in, in the future. The, in the future, <laughs> but the nice thing is, you know, Marty! if you heard, the, yeah, yeah, you gotta go back. Uh, it, the good thing is, if if you did hear that, and we're confused. It is archived now. You can watch that webinar in There's the past. Something wrong with your pitch, Marty? <laughs> my pitch? What, Doc? All right, uh, that's my. That's my Marty. Yeah, it was just pretty that's good. Have to crack your voice bad. a little bit. Wasn't bad. We'll take it. This is going to turn into like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You guys are just going to reenact. <laughs> yeah. the what do we become assholes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. oh, all right. Well, fair enough. All right. Well, thank you so much uh, to Tim Titus from Pass Solutions, PassSolutions.com. Uh, check them out. And uh, thanks everybody. And thank you, gentlemen, for your contributions and actually listening to the promos at the end there. Yeah, it was fun. Right? What happened? I love that part. Exactly. <laughs> what, what was your favorite promo? Yeah. If you had to choose. It was that one, you know, yeah. the one. The second one? Yeah, yeah it was great. Too. I like All that. right, well, thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next week right here on Technado with Don Pizzette.